Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. All right, well, um, we'd love to, what am I about to say? Here's the honest truth this morning. Um, Emma was supposed to speak, but she kind of lost her voice. And uh, so now I'm pulling like, as, I'm, uh, as uh, Jared said, double, triple duty. This was supposed to be my only thing for this morning. And uh, I actually told Tanner I wasn't going to tell anybody else she was supposed to speak. But uh, I'm ready to go. But I put actually less time into thinking about this because I was getting myself ready for the message. Uh, we have a really exciting announcement to share with everybody this morning. Uh, as you guys know, about a year ago, we entered into conversations with a Bible college here in the city about purchasing their property, which about six months ago we purchased as a church and uh, is where we're actually having the winter carnival tomorrow. And uh, we've done a whole bunch of anything that's not Sunday related, we essentially do at our at Slate Center, which is our headquarters. Essentially, we do everything but Sunday gatherings there. And uh, when we entered into this relationship, uh, one thing was really clear for us as a church is that it felt like it was a leading from God because as a church, for years, we kept writing on our vision board, we want to be involved in education to the point where we were starting to put things into place to start our own uh, school. And the first thing we were starting with was actually starting a gap year program for students, um, high school students coming out of high school, going into university. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to provide all the necessary life skills. Well, on the uh, before we were able to actually make that announcement to our church, all of a sudden the purchase of this property came. And we took it as a real sign of God that this heart for education that we had, that had a 50-year vision attached to it, that we're like, we don't know if we're going to be around to see this through, but we at least have the direction we want to set ourselves off in. Well, we thought with the purchase of the school, we're like, actually, we're meant to lay this down and partner with the school in some sense. Well, over the last year of partnering with them and talking with them or whatever else, the school, which is Emmanuel Bible College, has found itself in a place where it needs leadership and it needs um, maybe some leadership that can see it through a transitional time and into the future. And uh, I'll let you watch the video and then I'll actually clarify a little bit more. Um, but I think it'll say a bit and then I'll actually clarify more about what this means. So why don't you take a look at the screen and take a look. Well, welcome, and we're so glad that you've joined us for this update. And we're so excited to be sharing with you uh, some of the future vision and hope that we have for Emmanuel and for our students uh, that will be training here to serve the kingdom of God in Ontario and around the world. 83 years, Emmanuel has been training men and women to serve in the kingdom of God, and there are thousands that have been faithfully serving. And we're just so excited uh, to know that we are going to be continuing that legacy legacy that uh, has been built on by so many of you uh, that have supported uh, and upheld the college in prayer uh, over the years. Uh, we've entered into a new relationship over this past year with Slate Church, and uh, we've been growing together as family yeah. uh, and as partners and really excited about what God is unfolding before us. Uh, and uh, we are entering into a new relationship where we've seen a transition uh, happen uh, at the board uh, where uh, Slate is going to be 
taking a little bit more leadership over this next uh, transformation year uh, to help to really entrench the Emmanuel's future, that it is not simply surviving, but it is thriving into the future and where our students are going to be having an incredible experience of both academic training, spiritual development, uh, and God growth in their lives. Yeah, over the last number of years, Slate Church has had a real pa passion and a burden for education. Out of all of the strategic initiatives we've wanted to pursue, education has been at the top of the list, very interestingly. So when we approached the conversation about the property, it was a no-brainer for us that we would want to partner with um, Emmanuel and see Emmanuel succeed into the future. And we dropped actually a number of the initiatives that we were looking at starting in order to just help support what was already happening at, at, at Emmanuel. And so through a number of very specific words that have been spoken to our church and uh, the burden and the passion of a number of our leaders and our volunteers for education, we thought that joining with Emmanuel in this next season, as we look to not just survive, but actually thrive, was actually quite, um, quite a, a God opportunity, a kingdom win. And so through the, the educational unity that we found, I mean, we already had found a lot of theological unity through the, the transition of purchasing the property, but also just our heart for the church in Ontario and the church abroad and seeing us and the ability to raise up and send out ministers, we thought that actually partnering together in an even better way um, would actually be something that was not only beneficial for Slate, but especially beneficial for Emmanuel. I, this, this role has been uh, humbling in so many ways, and one of the ways, Brandon, that it has been just overwhelming for me at times is the stakeholders that have been investing, the alumni, the, the donors, the foundations, the, church, mm -hmm. the local churches mm -hmm. that have been investing it for so many years yes. uh, into Emmanuel. Yes. Uh, and uh, it is our desire and it's our hope uh, that uh, they will continue with us into the future. We see this as an expanding uh, of, of the base yes. uh, and are just so excited about the new opportunities and networks and relationships uh, that Slate Church will bring in to this. Uh, and again, it is all about how it is that we strengthen the student experience and make this a place that is really effective for the local church and our mission agencies uh, in their future needs for leaders. Yes. And I think that when people see a, you know, a church like Slate Church more closely connecting with Emmanuel, the, the immediate kind of uh, radars kind of go, go up. Is this going to become a Slate College? That's not the intention at all. And in fact, we're actually actively engaging a number of churches within our network, but also a, a number of churches that Neil has also personally sought out and looked to um, build further relationships with. And so we really believe with all of the stakeholders that have been engaged in the past, as well as some of these new network churches, and our church getting involved, that we're positioning uh, Emmanuel to be in an even stronger position into the future. And what this means for students is that students are going to get um, a more engaging uh, campus experience, we believe. And we believe that the actual student experience will actually uh, grow from this point. And uh, we also believe that there's going to be more of a connection between the learning in the classroom and the practical experience within uh, churches. And so we're really excited about what this means for the future of Emmanuel because, uh, I mean, we've used this a few times, but we really believe that this is the, the moment where Emmanuel goes from, from just merely surviving and into a place of thriving as we combine all of, all of the past, the, the, the current and the future, and as we begin to work together.
I'm excited about this. Yes, I am too. Yes. I believe that God is in it. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for uh, listening to us. And if you have any questions, um, certainly we want to be transparent through this entire process. And so if you have any questions, please point them to um, info at emmanuelbiblecollege.ca. So, um, one of the things that happens when uh, you make a video for all audience and all stakeholders is sometimes you're not able to tailor it to a specific audience. Um, such as ourselves. And we actually experienced this when we purchased a building. We found ourselves probably three or four months after the purchase of the building going like, I don't think our church actually realizes that we purchased a building within the current like real estate landscape in Waterloo for what we did because we were being so respectful, rightfully so, respectful of the college and not wanting anybody to be afraid of what was happening. And so I just want to recap a few things for us here in, in our church. First off, we've never mentioned the purchase price of Emmanuel, but now because, let me start here. Um, if you're confused by what that was and you're like, hey, what does this mean for our church? What it means is right now, uh, Slade's board is actually providing leadership for Emmanuel Bible College. And what it does mean is that we're going to still make sure that this is a college that's available and open to all denominations and churches. Uh, when we say we don't want this to be a slate college, what we're saying is we want it to be a place where people that we're sending out to plant churches go to, but we want it to be bigger than that. And so the moment that we put slate on the title is the moment that it just becomes our church's thing. Where there's just a few students where, I, where what we actually want to do is we want to continue to be a blessing to all of the denominations here in Ontario. And we actually want to send out church, uh, uh, pastors to not only start Slate Churches, but also to be a part of the renewal of the church in Ontario. I don't know if you've been following this language that we've been sharing over the last two years, but this is like something that has just fallen into our laps that directly aligns with what we believe is our mission as a church, which is to make disciples of all of Ontario. And sometimes we're like, how are we going to do it? Well, church, this is one of the ways in which we're going to do this, which is really, really exciting. So there's going to be a number of changes that Emmanuel's going through. It's, uh, for many of you, you're not going to have to walk through the thick of it. Tanner is one of the people on our end that is uh, actually one of the point people from Slate. We're going to discuss a lot of this over the days to come, so I'm not going to share all of this right now. But we're, we're actively getting involved, and things are being um, shook up and changed. And over the next year, what's going to happen is we're going to continue classes. But in fall 2024, we're going to be relaunching this with a new name and uh, still carrying on the spiritual heritage, but also just making sure that we are sending out more effectively pastors all across Ontario, which is really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Tanner, how much, should I mention something else? We're doing good so far. Tanner's like, he's been working so hard behind the scenes on this. He's a part of our board, but he's also part of a deep part of what's happening with Emmanuel right now. And uh, with that said, because we are essentially running Emmanuel and uh, we had purchased our property a while ago, um, one of the things that I think is just worth celebrating because for a lot of us, we're like, what, like, what did the purchase actually entail? And you're probably wondering, like, why were we so secretive? First of all, like Emmanuel is in a very... Um, volatile financial position when we got in a relationship with them. So mentioning the purchase price for some of their stakeholders may have actually um, uh, not helped them, but they still found themselves in the same place, unfortunately. Um, but I just think that it's worth us celebrating. And for those of you that aren't aware, we're not trying to hide anything as a church, but sometimes you just have to wait for the process to complete before you can share certain things. One of the things I think is just worth sharing so everybody knows that it's very open and in the, in the uh, in, in view of everybody. That was, 
hey, go, no, you got to go take care of a child. I understand. This is what it means to serve as a family, by the way. Can we give it up for Jackie? That was amazing. Way to pick that up, everybody. I, I was just like thrown off. I was like, maybe they're getting ready for another announcement I'm not sure of. Um, as you know, like it's nearly impossible to just buy anything in the city right now. And for some reason, right before just like uh, interest rates went through the roof and everything else, we had an opportunity to purchase this property that is called Slate Center now. And uh, on this property, it's three acres. Many of you have been there, but it's three acres. It has a house. It has a 10,000 square foot residence building and a 19,000 square foot main space that we mainly use. And so uh, we actually purchased that six months ago. And if you're wondering what the purchase price was, it was $2.7 million, which is, in terms of the region that we live in, wild, wild, wild. So we put a million dollars down on that purchase, which means we only actually hold a $1.7 million mortgage, which for a church that it was less than five years old is pretty phenomenal. Is that not? I think it's worth celebrating as a church. So where we find ourselves right now, church, is we're just going to keep obeying. For some reason, God put it on our hearts in the midst of the pandemic. We got to lift our eyes up, not just be focused on our congregation, but be focused on what God's up to in Ontario. By coming out and saying, we're going to make disciples of all of Ontario, honestly, we're like, we don't know what this means. But already, two years later, here we find ourselves not only owning our first uh, piece of property, and I say first very specifically because I don't think we're done with that yet. And secondly, we find ourselves in a position where we're now leading and guiding a Bible college where we will send out our own church planners and also prepare the next generation of pastors here in the province of Ontario. So I don't know about you, but I'm standing and walking and just believing that we are the precipice of what God is doing and sometimes wondering, what am I doing, God, getting up in front of hundreds of people every Sunday saying we're going to make disciples of all of Ontario. But I believe this is one of God's ways of showing that he's the one leading this process. He's the one guiding this process. And we can take hope in the fact that he is 10 steps ahead of where we are as a church. Can we thank God one more time? Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, Where's our vocalist at? I'm supposed to preach a message here. I wanna thank Jesus, and I know maybe this is why I'm supposed to be speaking. I feel totally comfortable with the content, but I also feel like I wanna thank God for everything he's been doing in our church. So vocalist, could you guys come back up? Um, we're just gonna sing another song of worship here. Why don't we all stand up where we find ourselves? And um, I'm probably going to do a mini message at the end of this one song. But, um, hey, one thing I just don't want to move past, and this is one of the, the things that we have, um, as staff, we were lamenting over the last few months, is like, we felt like we purchased this property. It was a miracle of God. We all kind of like moved past it. And, um, and yeah, I really believe that God is up to something special, as you can see by some of the announcements this morning. And what I just want to do is, I, I don't know what song, I didn't, we didn't plan for this, but we could just praise Jesus, thank him for everything he's been doing. And um, one of the things I'm really encouraged by is what this means is over the next few months, what you're going to be finding out as a congregation is our board is really working on what it looks like to actually develop uh, the property. And uh, this is something that everybody's been wondering, like, when are we going to do this? Well, everything has its timing. And as much as we would like to, like, buy a property and then show up the next week and start singing there, 
If you've been there, you know it needs, it, we need to do some stuff. And uh, we're working on some stuff, and we're, we're moving forward with some stuff. But before we get there, why don't we just take some time to just thank God for everything he's been doing in our church. Thank God that Emmanuel, which started 83 years ago, still has a future here in the province. I'm really excited about that. Thank God for the 50 students that are already a part of the school that we're going to continue to pour into. Father, we just want to thank you for what you're up to in our church. Father, we want to thank you for what you're up to in this province. And one thing we won't do, and we're committed to not doing, Father, is looking around and, and, and determining with our limited perspective that somehow the best days for the church in Ontario are behind us. God, we are going to continue to press forward. We're going to continue to believe that you are up to something great. We're going to continue to believe that you are more powerful than the giants we see before us. We're going to continue to believe that, God, you are able to move in our province. And Father, we are committed to following you and what you are up to in this province of ours. And we want to thank you that you have placed us in such a beautiful position to be right at the, the, the forefront, the core of what you're up to. Father, we thank you. We bless you. You are worthy to be glorified in this place. And as we just sung, Father, if you're calling, we're not walking, we're running into that future. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on. Amazing. Thank you, worship team. Just amazing. Okay. I, you know, it, one of the weirdest things about developing things behind the scenes is you have to keep a tight lip for so long before you can actually go public with it. So there's going to be a number of questions that you have, and you don't have to, as a part of our church, worry about emailing info at Emmanuel Church. You can just, like, talk to one of our pastors, ask questions, talk to Tanner. Tanner will have a lot of answers for you. Uh, one of the things that's most remarkable about all of this is the dream that we have for a college doesn't just extend to sending out missionaries and, um, and uh, pastors across Ontario. It actually involves raising up the next generation of health workers and educational workers and that sort of thing. And so one of the really cool things about Emmanuel is that it's actually um, accredited. And what that means is that other universities and colleges within uh, our province actually recognize the degree that you get there, which is significant because a lot of Bible college degrees that you get, um, they don't transfer it anywhere. Whereas if you do schooling with that, within a manual, you actually get to transfer those credits to a bunch of different um, institutions within Ontario. And what that means is that we're actually looking at not just what it looks like in the next five years to raise up. Um, pastors and missionaries, what does it look like over the course of the next 30 to 50 years to actually raise up a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of areas of society and send them out with a Christian worldview of what it means to be a Christian in the workplace, which is really exciting. So if you're like, what does that mean? I mean, we don't have all the answers to these questions, but Tanner is the guy to ask, okay? He's the, I'm going to put, he's going to be standing in the lobby. He, uh, <laughs> go find him uh, and he'll get answers <laughs> at some point. But man, um, we've been kind of working through that over the last four months, and uh, that's one of the things that we've been talking about behind the scenes. There's also another conversation that we just extended the timeline on, and we're going to probably stop talking about the other conversation for a little while because that's about a year and a half out. Um, but I will say this, that it doesn't seem like God is stopping on some of the things that he's bringing across our path and the opportunities that are way, I would just say like for myself, it just feels way out of our league. And yet, as one of our, I think our board members or, or maybe one of our overseers said, uh, no, this is what happens when you're walking in obedience with God. And so, really exciting stuff on the horizon for us as a church. And I want to encourage us this morning at a, uh, chapter, uh, at a Philippians chapter 4, uh, 10 to 20. And what we're actually going to be talking about in our fourth installment of uh, This is Church. This is the fourth message 
a part of This is Church Volume 4. Wow, 4 and 4. Real special day. Um, <laughs> sorry, I watched an episode of The Office last night, and I'm not sure if you're allowed to mention that as a pastor. But uh, Michael Scott gets in a whole bunch of trouble for throwing a party with the only party funds they have for The Office because he had an 050505 party. And uh, corporate's calling, and they're all upset with him. And so when I see, we're in the fourth message of the fourth series, we should throw a party. Okay, and we're in the fourth chapter of Philippians. Would you look at that? Okay, moving on. This is Paul writing the church in Philippi. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Paul's in prison at this point. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, speaking to the church in Philippi, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, we've read that passage a lot over the last year as we've sought our own contentment as a church. Let's focus on verse 14 through verse 20. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, I almost said Filipinos know. That would have been a misspeak. misspeak. As you know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sent you out, when, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only which is kind of unfortunate because Paul started most of the churches that he left from, right? But, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be, accredited, be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gift that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable offering, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's concluding his, uh, his message or his, his letter to the church in Philippi. And uh, if we back up about 10 years prior, what we see is that Paul and Barnabas are on a mission of starting churches um, all across the ancient years, around, around uh, the, the um, Mediterranean. And what we see out of Paul and, and Barnabas is they're, they're starting these churches, encouraging churches, they're going around, and they're doing this work. And all of a sudden, Paul and Barnabas get into an argument. And I, I, kind, of, I kind of like reading uh, about their argument because it gives us like some level of hope that God continues his mission uh, amidst like humans not being able to figure out their stuff, right? So Paul and Barnabas, these two giants of the faith, leaders in the church, they part ways, and Paul starts um, going out with this guy named Silas. And, and uh, Paul and Silas are going out and they're, they're, they're reaching people and they're, they're reaching people with the good news of Jesus, but they're encouraging the churches. And they're going about and they're, they're starting new churches as well on this missionary journey. And Paul has this real sense, and we read it in Acts chapter 22, verse 1. He has this real sense that he's called to the Gentiles, which I will remind you that Jesus sent up the mission of the church to reach those in Jerusalem, those in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. It was supposed to start in Jerusalem with the Jews and with the Israelites 
Israelites, and it was supposed to expand from there. Already we see Paul as this first branch of expansion in the church as he feels called to reach the Gentiles, which is another way to say those who aren't Jews. And so he goes out and he starts reaching these people. And Paul and Silas, they're going around and they're strengthening and they're encouraging. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, what we see is that they have a vision um, a dream where all of a sudden there's this man in Macedonia that's calling them and he, and he says in the dream, come to us, we need help. Which in many ways is an encouragement to Paul to not go to Asia. Well, well he's just been, been discouraged by the spirit to go into Asia. And it actually encourages him to go and, and start the first church in, uh, in Europe, right? So he moves and, and they, they go across uh, the, 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 the sea there and they go to, uh, they land in Philippi. And what's interesting about this and something that I've, I've kind of mentioned before in vision series is that Paul's whole mode of operating is taking the Great Commission and going out from it in every place that he can. So what we don't see out of Paul is Paul doesn't go to like this place of prayer and like, Father, I'm just going to stay here in my comfort and I'm going to pray to like somehow receive from you where I should go. And once I hear a specific place to go, then I'm going to go into a different direction. What we actually see from Paul uh, is that he basically goes, listen, Jesus has already told me to go and make disciples, and that's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do. And so he goes into all of these different areas, and the only, play, only time we see Paul course correct is when he's led by the Spirit not to do something. Does that make sense? Like for us, sometimes we're waiting on God to, to, to tell us to go and make disciples somewhere, and yet the actual mode of operating we see within Scripture, especially the one, this giant of the faith, Paul, is he's going, no, I was already told to make disciples. I'm going to wait on the Spirit to stop me from doing so in certain areas. And so Paul goes out to all of these different places, and it's only until the Spirit says, no, you're not to go to Asia right now. You're supposed to go to Macedonia, that he changes direction. And I wonder right now in this place if we have the same spirit about us, that when we read scripture and we're in times of prayer, we're not just waiting for God to say, like, God, am I supposed to reach my neighbors? God, Father, am I supposed to love those around me? Father, am I supposed to bring the good news to the, the workplace that I go to, the school that I go to? I wonder if we're taking on this, this mode of operating, this, this thought process, this spirit about us that says, no, Jesus already told me to go. I'm going to wait for him to stop me in the process as I go and make disciples. What we see is that Paul course corrects because of the voice of God. They find themselves in Philippi. And um, the interesting thing about Philippi is that uh, Philippi was a place where retired soldiers and officials of the Roman Empire, they would go and they would retire. It was like, I don't know, like uh, Florida. It was like, uh, I don't know, this is where like Canadian retirees go. Right? Jared and Beth are going to Florida next week. And I'm a little, uh, a little upset because I don't get to go. But it's like, it's like a retirement-like place, right? So they'll go there. But what we have to understand is, like, when soldiers and officials are retiring, they're going there. But it doesn't mean that they're, like, they're, 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 um, they're just, like, on vacation. Uh, what we see is a very politically charged region because of this fact. I mean, still, politics were being discussed. The, the issues of the day are being discussed. The, the cultural climate of the day uh, of the Roman Empire is at, at, a, is at an all-time high in Philippi. Why? Because of the, some of the most important people have retired to this place. And this is the environment in which Paul comes into Philippi with Silas, and they start to do what they do in Philippi. What we see in the church in Philippi, uh, or, or, or in Philippi, when Paul and Silas arrive, is it says that they go outside of the, the city on the Sabbath. They've only been there for a few days. And they go outside the city and they begin to pray. And as they begin to pray, all of a sudden there's a group of women that they start talking to. And 
They have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so they share the gospel with this group of women. And a woman named Lydia accepts Jesus, her and her whole household. And this is the start of the church in Philippi. So 10 years prior, this is what's happening to Paul actually writing this letter to the church in Philippi. He's saying, listen, I know you intimately because I was there. I I mean, I was in the environment. Though I am in chains now, and this is where Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. He's locked up, he's in prison, and he's in chains. He's going, listen, I I know what you're all about. I've seen what's happened there. I, I know the people on the ground. I know how this church got its start. And he's thanking them for their commitment to the gospel. And as we're in this This Is Church series, one of the things that we want to focus on, um, and I'm, like, I'm going to fly through some of the points that we have this morning, but one of the things that we want to focus on is this idea of commitment. Why? Not because there's a lack of commitment in our church right now. This isn't a time to be like, oh, does the pastor think that I'm committed or not? That, that's not the reason we're talking about commitment. Why are we talking about commitment? Because something like a pandemic happened in the world, and all of a sudden we started to see those who were committed and those who weren't. Like very quickly, something happened in the world, and those that weren't committed were quick to, quick to leave, not just our church, I mean quick to leave businesses, quick to leave churches, quick to leave a whole bunch of things because of the lack of commitment. The reason we talk about commitment when people are actually committed is we go, hey, what are we committed to, and what do we do the next time we run into something really big, whether it be globally or even locally? What, what, what are we going to do? When all of a sudden Slate Church comes up in the news or in a Reddit thread that blows up and everything else, and we're all looking at what's happening and what, what's going to happen when all of a sudden things are like, oh, Slate Church believes this about morals or this about sexuality or this about that. What are we going to do as a church in the midst of persecution? That is why we talk about commitment. Because one day your commitment to the church of Jesus Christ, not not necessary to slate, is going to be tested. And we look at a church like Philippi and we look to the encouragement of Paul and we go, why was the church in, in uh, Philippi? Why was it so committed and what were they committed to? Well, the first thing we want to talk about is their commitment to mission. This church in Philippi was committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. What is the mission? To share the good news of Jesus and to make disciples. Interestingly, this letter that was uh, that this letter of Philippians that was written uh, was written to a group of people that had the exact same mission that we do today. The encouragement in that is that we can read it and take some of the lessons that were learned by the church in Philippi and we can apply it to our lives. We see in Philippians chapter 1 verse 3, Paul is writing and he starts the letter with this. He says, "I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, for all of you, I always pray with joy." Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This church that is commended over and over again within this letter for their commitment. And and by the way, a lot of the letters that Paul wrote to churches that he started or churches that he was interacting with or trying to encourage, a lot of them are filled with like really sharp not criticisms, but like um, uh, constructive feedback on like how to be better as a church. The church in Philippi almost gets a complete letter of just encouragement and thanks. I mean, this ultimately, is this not the kind of church that we want to be? And yet what we read is he says, I want to thank you for the partnership in the gospel, partnership and mission from the first day. Now, when we actually look at the first day of the church in Philippi, we see, yes, 
Paul and Silas are talking to this group of women, uh, Lydia and her whole household, except Jesus. That's all wonderful. We go like, yes, like from the first day, from the first salvation, these people are committed. But do you realize that also on the first day of the church in Philippi, because of Paul reaching out to Lydia and her family and, and spreading the gospel in that way, the first day of the church in Philippi, Paul and Silas are also thrown in prison. It's like, this is what the first day of the church in Philippi looks like. And yet what we see is that, that, that Paul and Silas don't stop in prison. They actually start worshiping Jesus. They start praising him. In the middle of the night, there's an earthquake that shakes the, the, the prisoners free. And yet they have an opportunity on the first day to not only reach um, somebody who, is, who is, uh, wants to be a part of the church, but they also have a chance after this earthquake and the singing to reach the jailer and his family. And this is the first day of the church in Philippi. What I want to say to us is it doesn't matter how a church gets its start. It matters the commitment to the mission that we have along the way. I want to say, like, as a church, I think that we've had a great start. Does anybody agree? Like, as a church, five years in, I am thankful for, for the multitudes of people that come. I'm thankful for three services across two locations. I'm thankful for a building that we got to purchase. I'm thankful for all the staff we've been able to hire. I'm thankful for all the volunteers. I'm thankful for the locals that we have gathering all around our city. I'm thankful for what the locals do in serving our community. I'm thankful for Holy Spirit nights and, and, uh, and, and being able to share in that. I'm, I'm thankful thankful for uh, being able to be a part of this Bible college now and sending things out. I'm thankful for all of that. And yet for some of us, if we're not careful, we'll see all the things that, that have tripped us up. Oh man, there's been a pandemic. For myself, one of the things that trips me up is for the first two years of our church, I push volunteers and leaders way harder than anybody should. That trips me up. I get, I, get, I get a little bit, like I'm a little bit cautioned in some of the ways that I'll speak now because I'm, I'm a little gun shy in, in moving our church sometimes in the direction I believe that God's calling us. Sometimes we look back on the history of our church and what I'd say is it doesn't matter how a church starts. It's, it matters how a church continues and finishes in the mission of God. And I believe we are a church that is committed to the mission of Jesus. I believe we are a church that is committed to sharing the gospel and making disciples. Let's not, in our passion of sharing the gospel, miss the fact that we're supposed to make disciples. And let's not get so serious about making disciples that we fail to bring this good news to people that haven't heard it yet. Let's be a church that is reaching out and reaching deep and actually doing the things of Christ because we have a call on our church to go make disciples of all of Ontario. No matter how your church starts, no matter how our church starts on the first day, what matters most is how we're committed to Jesus on the, on the second day, on the third year. On the fifth year, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, we want to have a church that's standing, that's not just built on the talents of a few, but built on the gospel of Jesus, on the words of God, on the, the, the spirit moving, and on people being committed to the mission of Jesus. You also notice that the people that started the church aren't the ones being commended for their, for the, for the commitment to the mission. Paul, started, Paul and Silas arguably started this church. And yet what they're doing is they're commending the people that are a part of the church 10 years later for their commitment to the mission. You cannot build, we cannot build a, a church on people that you see on a platform. I just want to remind you that anybody that walks up on this stage is merely serving in a gift that God has given them that is different than the gift that he's given you, and that's okay. It doesn't make this gift more important. It doesn't make my gift more important. It doesn't make the gift of drumming more important, although I think that's probably one of the coolest gifts given to the church, to be honest, mainly because I can't give it, uh, keep a rhythm to save my life. 
But it, it, it's not about what happens up here on the front on a Sunday. It's not even just about what your local leader is doing. It's about your own commitment to what God has called you to in, the, in the, what he's trying to do in his church in this region. Are you committed to the mission of sharing the gospel and making disciples? This is what the church in Philippi is being commended for. In the midst of all this persecution they're finding in all the places around them, Paul reminds them of their citizenship of heaven and encourages them to stand firm. In reality, I know, and, and as your pastors, we live in the same world that you do. And it's not a world that is favorable to Christians. And this is why it's tempting to believe that the best days of the church in the West are behind us. Because one, at one point, we were praying prayers in the school. Whether or not half the people in our schools believed those prayers or believed in Jesus, we were praying them. And sometimes it's tempting. Some people look back and be like, we were praying uh, in the schools, and now look, look at what's happening in the schools. And listen, I, like, I agree. Like, I think prayer in schools is a great thing, but like, I, I could also get into the merits of like, you know, how and, and why we do those things, and that's all, that's all great. But sometimes when we look at the future of the church in Canada and the future of the church in the West, we go like, maybe God, like all the stuff that God was doing is just in the past. And I think it begs into question, is anybody aware right now of the Asbury uh, revival that's happening? Anybody aware? So if you're not aware of what's happening, there's a small college in Kentucky right now, and it's, it's not that big. Um, they had a chapel service that hasn't stopped. Like it started about, I think, a, about a week ago, um, and it just hasn't stopped. In fact, it started on the Wednesday of our Holy Spirit nights. On Tuesday, I remember saying, like, sometimes... Uh, prayer meetings like this start and they don't end. And I was like, who knows? Maybe this won't end. That was on the Tuesday I said that. On Wednesday where I was like, if I was less human, maybe we wouldn't have stopped it because like God's presence was there. And I'm like, maybe we missed out on revival. You know, I'm just like thinking through all this stuff. On the Wednesday, all of a sudden this, this school in Kentucky, they had a chapel service and a few students stayed around afterwards and it just hasn't stopped. Like the chapel service is still going. And listen, there is so much that we can be skeptical in that. But one thing I want to say is that the Spirit of God is still moving in North America. The Spirit of God is still looking to make disciples. The Spirit of God is still looking to empower us to share the gospel. And I think in the current environment, I think in the current environment that we find ourselves in, we can complain about politics. We can complain about leaders. We can complain about the state of our school system. We can complain about a bunch of different things. But where are the people that are saying, no, I am filled with the Spirit of God, and I am willing to do the hard work of seeing this place be known for Jesus once again? That's what we're looking to do as a church. We're not looking to complain about where we've come or where we're going. We're looking to have new vision for what God wants to do in our families, what he wants to do in our workplaces, and what he wants to do in our province. And what we're looking for is people that are committed to the mission of making disciples and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you with us? Yeah, it's okay to clap in church. I don't want to shame anybody that's just naturally quiet, but like, let's not turn this into a country club. Speaking of country clubs. The second thing that the um, church in Philippi was committed to is fellowship. And, um, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Emma had written in her notes, so I'm like directly stealing this example. <laughs> uh, she said, I remember the, the fellowship hall in her church. Does anybody have a fellowship hall in a church that you grew up in? I had one. It was like, basically it's where you have like little pastries and uh, you do like, soup after services, basically anything that doesn't cost a whole lot of money to feed your large group of people. It's like, we're gonna have lunch in the fellowship hall after, and everybody's like, okay, it means soup, right? It actually means water with maybe some like vegetable broth, you know? 
And uh, so we go over to the, the fellowship hall and fellowship halls are just like such an interesting thing because basically it's just a separate room within an established church building that you just go and you just like, you talk to people and you eat food and it's so cute. And uh, unfortunately, because we've called so many things fellowship halls, when we talk about fellowship, we think that's what it is. We think that, hey, when we fellowship with one another, it's just about like getting a nice greeting, a good smile, talking about the weather, making sure that somebody's okay, not giving them an opportunity to say if it's not okay, and like kind of moving on. Like, hey, you're doing well, great. And they're like, I didn't have a chance to say no, I'm falling apart. I don't know where my marriage is at. And you're just like, good, good to, good to see that you're doing, you look cool today. And just kind of move on. That's fellowship in the modern church today. It's unfortunate because the church in Philippi was not understood that the commitment to the mission of Jesus meant that they needed to be committed to one another. And maybe we drop fellowship for one second to realize that the fellowship that they were committed to was living and breathing and doing life with one another and picking one another up and providing for one another's needs and making sure that they were worshiping Jesus and committed to his cause. In fact, the three things that marked fellowship for the early church was worshiping together, seeking God's will together, and, and seeing God's work on this earth move forward. That's what fellowship meant for them, and doing it not as individuals, but as a community. There is no lone rangers in the kingdom of heaven. The church is a body. It's not Jesus and another person. The church is a body that works together and lives and does life together. And you know, we might think like, well, maybe it was easier for them because they lived in the same place and they, they, they shared everything they had and they did all of these things and we start to make excuses for the type of life that we should be living because we don't live in the same building together. But what does it look like to actively wake up and say, Jesus, I am on mission. And if that means doing this with your church, how can I serve the church today? How can I share your gospel? And how can I worship you? Like every day we should be waking up with a new filter going, I know there is somebody in my church, in my local that needs help. And how can I serve them today? How can I seek God's will with them today? How can I worship God with those that he's set me around today? I really believe that the only way the church in the West sees a, a renewal happening here in our province, is if we let go of the easy Christianity we've become accustomed to, and we actually walk out into the wild, chaotic waters of a culture that doesn't seemingly want what we have, but desperately needs it. And doing it with a commitment and a boldness that, that requires relationship with one another because of the bruises that we're taking on along the way. Francis Chan once said, and it's just something that I share often, but it's something that I just want deeply desire in our church. He said, I wanna stop gathering and talking about what God did do in our church. And I wanna start gathering each week and talking about what God did that week in our church. Let's not just have stories of old. Let's not just only have one moment where all of a sudden this, this chapel and, and God's doing something. Let's not just like look at that and be like, oh, like thankfully, thankfully God's doing something in North America. Let's call for that. Let's pray for that in our own context. Let's believe for something bigger where we stand. Let's, let's believe for something bigger in Ontario. Let's be committed to one another and what he's called us to do in this region that we find ourselves in. They're committed to the mission. They're committed to fellowship. And finally, they were committed to generosity. And every week we have a generosity moment. We talk about like finances and giving to the church. And I serve on a number of different boards and that's not to like prop myself up, but it's just a reality of the work that I do. And uh, I'll say this about other institutions that I'm a part of so that you don't feel called out. 
it is astounding to me how, how little, like how little the percentages of those that regularly give to church. Astounding to me. It, it, it's, it's actually, it, to me, it's like, it's a big indicator that God's not going to move the way that he could in a specific community. Why? Because if he doesn't have your hearts and what you're willing to give, he probably doesn't have the rest of what you want to give. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I, I deeply believe the level of commitment that we have with God financially indicates something about uh, the level of, of commitment that we have him generally. I, I really believe it. That's not a prosperity message. I don't believe that if you give the church some money today that God's going to make your life better tomorrow. It might get worse. Paul was giving money to the church and he's thrown in prison. Like this is like the weirdest thing where you would be giving to something that God's doing and actually in return get something worse. I don't believe in a prosperity message. I do believe that there's a number of us that, that what we're doing with our money when it comes to giving back to God is reflective of where our relationship with him actually is. And for some of us, it's very small. The trust is very small. Vision sometimes moves at the speed of generosity. What do I mean by this? We would right now start three churches next year if we had the money to do it. Guarantee you. In fact, I would, I would, I would this week, if $300,000 came in, this week, sit down with our staff and ask them, do any of you feel called to go plant a church somewhere else? And we would just start funding it and we would go do it. Why? Because the church in Ontario must move forward. The people in Ontario need not less churches, they need more churches. The, church in, the, the people of Ontario need a relationship with God. We are deeply committed to this thing. And sometimes the vision moves slower because of generosity. What we see in the church in Philippi is they were deeply committed to the mission that Paul and his followers were on. They're saying, we're gonna fund it. And by the way, these weren't wealthy people. <laughs> And by the way, they had the same financial concerns. Well, we're headed into a recession. I gotta, listen, if I'm headed into a recession, one thing I just wanna say about my own giving is I want to know that what I'm, what, what I'm receiving comes from God. I wanna know that, that in the midst of a recession or somebody once said a, a few weeks ago, a global depression. Who's excited about that? Who's excited about a global depression? I wanna know that when I hear these words that I have no fear where I'm gonna get my food from. I wanna know that when we hit, hit into these things, we go into these things, I have no fear where my sustenance is coming from. I wanna know that I've been trusting him when things were good, so that if things do, do go to crap, that my faith is still in the same place. Some of us need to understand that commitment to generosity is one of the things that's gonna unlock another level of trust with God in your life. And what it will do in effect is move the mission of the church forward. I, I didn't even realize the time. We were supposed to start the next service two minutes ago. Well, they can wait, and we will shorten their service because the 9 a.m. is my favorite service. And the people that go to the 10, 15 are like, what do you mean? <laughs> I just showed up to the 9. What do you mean? Well, keep coming to the 9. You'll see. You'll see. Actually, the 9 is the one that gets the fiery messages first. Let's close like this. Um, why don't we all stand up in this place and just um, get ready to exit? I'm really encouraged by what God's doing in our church. And I know you're with me. I don't have to be like, are you with me? Like, I'm, we're all there. Like, like, we shared some exciting things this morning. But in reality, it's not the big announcements that are gonna make it the, the biggest difference on our church. Like, getting a Bible college is nothing unless we're committed to the Bible college. Does that make sense? 
getting a building is nothing unless we're committed to like stewarding that building well. Um, starting a, another location is nothing unless we're committed to being with that location 20 years from now. Um, these are the kind of things, commitment is, is one of the, so, so today we get to announce something that God did and then what we get to do is we get to encourage ourselves in something we get to do. And our part is equally as exciting. Commitment to the mission of Christ, fellowship with one another, and generosity to see him move in the province that we live in. So we're gonna finish with a prayer and I just wanna ask the question here this morning, maybe for you, you're just, your commitment to Christ just needs to deepen. And I'm not gonna pull out a category. I just, you know what God's speaking to your own heart and I just wanna pray, excuse me, for all of us that feel like we just need God's help and being committed, faithful, present, planted, whatever it looks like in our own lives with him and specifically to what he's doing here at Slate Church. So for that, every head bowed, just because it's just a private moment between us and God. But if you're here today and you're just going, hey, I need, I need God's strength helping me stay committed. If that's you, can you just raise a hand? And by the way, my hand is up. If you're just here and you're going like, you're just looking to see who's committed, that's, that's not what I'm doing. I, I need a deeper commitment to what God's up to. I felt convicted about this over the last three weeks. I need, I need God more in my life. God, as we raise our hands, it's a simple act at the, at the end of a really great service, time together. As we raise our hands, it's a simple act to say, God, we need you. We want to be committed, but God, we are, like I personally am so terrible at remaining faithful. We need your strength. We're thankful for everything you're doing in our church and we pray that you would be faithful to continue it through us. A group of people that are often distracted, frustrated, filled with complaints. God, we need the strength that you give. Help us to be committed, help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.